this might be the the most transformative time in terms of attendee expectations in the industry because the past 18 months, the bar has gone from so low to so high. Now that we know all these cool things can be accomplished, I think the expectations are very high. Hey there, thanks for tuning in. I'm Jeremy Dobrish, and this is The Procast, brought to you by Proscenium Events in New York City. It's a podcast about events, corporate live events. Now, each month we take a bite-sized look at how to make these corporate events or conferences, programs, shows even more effective and impactful. Today, I get a little fresh breeze of optimism. It's like drinking a tall, cool glass of lemonade while driving with the top down and enjoying a sunset. So if you're curious about where live corporate events are going in the next few years and you could use a bit of optimism, then stand by for Q1 of the Procast. And Q1, let's go. All right. So I am here with Jessica Heasley, the group editor and publisher of Event Marketer. And you're just coming off EMS just a short time ago, right? That's the Event Marketer Summit. So how'd it go? must have been a a different, crazy kind of year. (laughs) Exactly. Different and crazy for sure. Yeah. We were so thrilled that people came out for the event. I think like many in the industry, we were on a certain trajectory later in the summer and then the Delta variant popped up and gave us all a little bit of pause and made us wonder what events needed to look like in the fall. And we made the decision to move forward and we're so glad we did. There's a lot of peer-to-peer conversations and sharing what worked and what didn't and what those hard lessons learned and hard won lessons learned for this past year. So I was just really happy to see that spirit still existed at the show. Certainly, this is a competitive industry. Everyone is competing with one another, but there is a sense that if, if one of us or one of you does well, it elevates the industry as a whole. Other couple interesting takeaways, 60% of our attendees this year uh, were net new to EMS which was really encouraging because that means there are a lot of new faces interested in experiential, a lot of new people coming to learn about the discipline of event marketing, which was great. So 60% of people were new. That strikes me as incredible. What was it about last year that made people think, you know what I want to do is get in the live (laughs) event producing industry? It's a good question because you would think on... At face value, gosh, this is an industry that looks like a very difficult place to be right now. But I do think it speaks to the optimism that there is an anticipation of a comeback. We know we're on the precipice of it. We're really hopeful that we're going to get there. And to me, it feels like there's that interest in um, being part of something that's going to be really huge when it does eventually get back on track. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that optimism. And you had said, you know, I loved your your point about collaboration despite competition. And I'm just curious if you have any specific examples of that. I think there are a lot of those pivots into, gosh, well, we've got a fabrication capability and we can make this thing for the community that the community needs, but it means we need to partner with this agency that might be typically a competitor in our local market. And I think there was just a lot of that, like, hey, let's just hold hands and get through this together. And let's not worry about the lanes we're in. Let's not define ourselves by those limitations we might have put on ourselves previously and let's just do it together. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. There's that, you know, that's that expression about a, a crisis is a terrible opportunity to waste. 
This is behind the scenes Bethany breaking in with a fact check. The expression, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste, was first said by economist Paul Romer in 2004 in reference to the rapidly rising education levels outside the U.S. It feels like maybe that happened to some extent, that actually the crisis is going to make people collaborate more and that will be, because we've had to, perhaps, and that's going to carry forward and be a really good thing for the industry overall. What else do you see in terms of trends coming? I mean, that's what everybody's wondering, right? Post-COVID, what does the landscape look like? Yeah. So I think we've talked about this idea of the great rethink and the great rethink is part of the great exodus in some sense, where everybody's taking a pause, everyone's reflecting on themselves, they're reflecting on their careers, their jobs, And a lot of organizations in this industry are taking that same opportunity to pause, reflect, rethink. And all of that reevaluation, I think, is, is creating tighter, smarter portfolios. It's creating an opportunity to make smarter decisions, more strategically sound decisions, more ROI focused decisions. Yeah, it's interesting. We had Mark Sheeran on the podcast a while back, and he said something similar in terms of that pause, that normally we're on the treadmill and these events are on that treadmill where every year, you know, you have to produce and you never have that opportunity to just think about it and stop for a second and say, are we doing this because we've always done this or are we doing this because this is the best idea? And this really gives everybody that opportunity to rethink things that you would just never think about in in the normal course of events. And, and we may well come out of it stronger for that. What about for event marketer and EMS? What sort of changes do you see coming up in the next few years for you? I think, uh, you know, everybody's talking about the idea of the roaring 20s. <laughs> I don't think we're there yet, of course, but we know that desire and that yearning that is there for people to gather together again is just we're on the precipice of that and being able to actually bring that to life. And this is a surprisingly small community, and that's a great thing. And I think we want to just continue to create an environment where those who've been doing it for a long time, have the opportunity to share this discipline and teach those that are interested. And also to continue to be a place where people can share ideas. So we know that EMS will be a place where uh, people will look for jobs and partners. And then of course, the opportunity to bring all of our sponsors and exhibitors and partners to one place where you can see what's new, you can see the emerging technology that you know might solve some of those pain points that came out of the past year. What we did here at the show is that it's a different a different environment out there and the, the tools and the technologies that you needed a year or two ago are just not even the same now that there's a need for something new and so we want to be a place where you can find out what those things are and so as this industry continues to evolve post pandemic i think everybody at first thought okay well if not at first at a certain point people mm-hmm. thought okay this is terrible but it's going to go away And then we're going to get back to not exactly the way things were, but more or less the way things were. I think now people are starting to get used to it. Like, okay, COVID maybe isn't going to be as bad as it was, but it's not necessarily going away quite so quickly. And we're going to have to live with it at least for a little while. How does that change the industry? I think a piece of it is that this industry is going to come out of it stronger as it did after the recession. and. The recession, of 
of 2009 was a financial downturn that impacted the industry in one way. Now we're dealing with a health and safety necessity that kind of forced us into a different kind of thing. If you look though at like kind of the sheer inventiveness and the creativity of what came out of both of those experiences, that should give us all reason to feel really optimistic that this new normal will still be great, but in just a very different way. So I think the great outcome of the recession of 2009 for the event industry was there was a, a need to prove its value to those that felt like it was extraneous. It was the first thing to get cut out of the budget. And I think that travel, all of that was on the chopping block. And so event marketers really rose to that challenge and did a good job of getting real serious of, about ROI. So now Flash forward years later, we have a very strong ROI practice threading through all of the events in the industry, most of the events in the industry. Now, I think with this health and safety necessity, the new normal is going to be looking at the creative implementation of what those brand experiences look like. Hybrid is certainly a part of that conversation. Hybrid's been with us since 2009 for the very same reasons. It was the only option. Everybody was stuck at home. But I think in the wake of that post-recession, a lot of companies were better poised to just pivot right into that virtual. There were a lot of brands that were ready for that. They were already doing hybrid. They were already offering the streaming experience while the live experience was happening at the same time. What are some examples of that? Either events or brands who had been doing it right and were well positioned for this or who pivoted and who now are adapted to the new reality and you think have a model that really works? Yeah, I think Oracle and Open World, they have been doing it a long time and Cisco has been doing it a long time. And I remember an interview we did, I can't remember actually if it was with Oracle or Cisco, but I this was years ago and and one of the main concerns that that kind of came out of this post-recession period was, gosh, if we offer this streaming option or if we offer this virtual option, we're going to cannibalize the live event and nobody's going to come. And the feedback overwhelmingly that we heard when we spoke to the B2B event producers of that time was, it was actually just the opposite. The reach was so great into corners of the market that they never would have reached otherwise. And the attendees they never would have been able to lure to a live event, that it actually just created a completely different revenue channel and awareness channel and contributed to the funnel through just another side door that hadn't existed before. On the B2C side, if you look at like, for example, one really great example of a program we really loved this, this past year, I think 2020, was FX did a engagement for Comic-Con. Typically, they would have shown up in full force at a Comic-Con and it would have been a big, splashy activation, but they had to move to a website. And rather than the navigation bar and the buckets and watch this in kind of that linear structure, they created this virtual um, sculpture that as you hovered over it, had different sounds and gave you uh, an entry portal into deeply immersive franchises within the FX family. And as you spend a little time on this site, you could hear the sounds of San Diego Harbor, which is what you would hear if you were at Comic-Con in San Diego. And of course they raised the bar, <laughs> which, you know, has this might be the, the most transformative time in terms of attendee expectations in the industry, because the past 18 months, the bar has gone from so low to so high 
now that we know all these cool things can be accomplished, I think the expectations are very high. So Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's very cool what you described. We At Proscenium, we did something similar for Qualcomm, where they have an event that they usually do in Hawaii. And so it had to be virtual. And we created this virtual environment that we had drones in Hawaii to capture footage so that we could really make it, you know, look and feel even though you're watching on a computer, you have that sense, that Hawaiian you know, sense and feel to it. And that was really nice. So what is some advice you would give? Because I loved what you said about now suddenly you have a new reach, mm-hmm. potentially. Mm-hmm. So if you are the sort of brand or, or event that does have an annual event, but you don't know how to capitalize on that. What are some tips you would give someone to say, oh, you know, what? think about this, try this, do this, and you might actually find you'll get a much bigger audience. Yeah, I think one of the biggest takeaways, and this came up a lot at EMS from this past year, is that the virtual or the digital experience is not the live experience in any way, shape, or form. So anybody that attempted to pick up their live event and drop it into a virtual platform, was sorely disappointed when that didn't work out. And then, of course, they also discovered that not only is it not as engaging and the format became tired very quickly after the excitement of, oh, we've got something, so that feels good to have something and we did it. Then you get into the fact that attendee and consumer expectations are changing at a speed that's even faster than you can keep up with what they're trying to do. But then you also discover that your team is not necessarily well-versed in in those things. I mean, it's not everybody has the talent pool to execute on the digital and the virtual and maybe the way that they would want to. And it's a different mindset. It's a different set of strategies. It's a different way of engaging with the brand. So I guess number one tip, and of course, I'm just channeling this from all of the interviews and the experts that I've listened to, but and we've spoken to over the past year and a half, but it's a different animal. And so to think, to start with that live event, you almost want to have an entirely different strategic structure, a different strategic approach, a different methodology, maybe even a different philosophy about how you're going to approach what this virtual or digital experience looks like. Is it a companion experience? Is it an attempt to bring people at home into the live experience? And if that's the case, what do they get that the live attendees don't get? And what makes the at-home experience special and different? And how can they feel like they're actually participating? Or is it something completely different entirely? Yeah, I love that. I, I completely agree. I think the idea that the virtual side of your event is different than the live side of your event, and you just have to treat them differently. I would go even further, and I would say this year's event, whatever it is, live or virtual, is not the same as last year's event. And you shouldn't try to just copy it or have you know so-and-so get up and give a presentation because she did last year. Really think about what are we doing this year? What are we talking about? What's the story we're trying to tell? What do we want from our attendees? And what's the best way to do that? And maybe it is very similar to last year because we asked the same questions last year, presumably, but maybe there are some differences and to not be afraid to implement those differences just because they're new. Absolutely. I think it's a time of all new thinking. It's really a time to reevaluate and it's a time to let go of what was before as much as you can, and then do the hard work of seeing what really worked about the before, and then be open to the new way of what needs to be the moving forward plan. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and it sounds like you, it seems like you're very optimistic about 
where things are going. Because certainly at the beginning of the pandemic, I don't know about you, but boy, I, it was scary. I was yeah. terrified. What's going to happen? And now, you know, it just seems like things are going to get better and better. Speaking to your your point about the optimism, these shows are just turning out record numbers right now, and they're being held safely, and there are not cancellations. When we spoke to our, many of our sponsors and exhibitors after the show, they were telling us that their business is taking off. They're busy again. They're too busy. They're they can't keep up with the work. All of that anecdotally really does give us hope that this industry has learned how to do it safely and it's going to move forward and operate in this kind of limbo that we're still in as well as it can. And then hopefully we get to a new place and we can get into whatever the exciting next phase is. Oh, you've got me excited. <laughs> I'm feeling even more optimistic than I was before. So I'd love to go to the lightning round. Is that okay? Where I just oh. sort of throw three quick questions at you and, sure. and see what you think. So the first one is, who's your biggest get? A guest speaker, an entertainer, a subject matter expert, just someone you would love to see on stage. We came this close one year to having Snoop Dogg at one of our shows. And I haven't given up hope <laughs> that he is going to show up someday. I just, I can feel it. It's going to happen. So Snoop, if you're listening, just give us a call. We want to make it You work. know, I have it on good authority. <laughs> Snoop is a, an avid listener to this podcast. So I think you're, I think you're in. Done. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, second question. You've seen a ton of presenters on stage. What is one thing you wish presenters did more of, or maybe it's less of, that would make them better presenters? We all love a beautiful presentation, but a personal story, an anecdote, a willingness to say, we thought this would work this way. It didn't. It went this way instead. And here's what we learned. You know, I just don't think there's any shame in, in having a little vulnerability. And really, it just connects you to your audience from just a presentation perspective, but also the value of that information is so high and memorable. I just think it's always great when people are willing to say, hey, <laughs> we don't know either. Yeah, 100%. Even to the extent that, you know, everybody wants to go up on stage and be perfect and make no mistakes. Right. But we've all been in the audience and we've seen a presenter really make a, a big mistake. And it just gets you on their side. All yeah. of a sudden, the whole energy in the room shifts and everybody's rooting for you. And, and you, they see that you're human and we all make mistakes and we just want you to succeed so much more than we did 10 seconds ago. So it's being vulnerable, even at the worst moment when you've just screwed up, is still valuable for the audience and helps your presentation. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right, last question. What is something, could be a book, a movie, a song, that was a big influence on you? And, and particularly if it influenced your career choice or, or you in the industry or, or anything like that? Yeah, it's, it's a fun question because we've been doing our Women in Events program for about a decade, which Persenium is, we are so grateful to have been partnering with you on that for years. And in the early days when we put the editorial feature together, we would always ask the question, what's on your playlist? And for years, the answer was always Hamilton. And I have a nine-year-old daughter and somewhere in the beginning of the, of the pandemic, we just got on a Hamilton kick, right? So it was that and In the Heights kind of bookended the pandemic for us because Hamilton came out last summer. They put it out on Disney. It allowed us all to see it. It's incredible in every way. If you are an event marketer, there's so much to learn just about from the way that they produced that, that Broadway show. And then In the Heights, then a summer later, we're In the Heights, which is just joyful and amazing in all the ways that everything he creates is. And bonus, I was stuck in a, a one-bedroom apartment with a nine-year-old for 18 months, and she knows everything about the American Revolution. So 
I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) Jessica, it's been such a delight talking to you. You've really got me inspired. And I think the the pandemic and and the last 18 months have have been so tricky. And just to hear your optimism in the sense that the industry is changing, new solutions are being found. We've taken that pause and we're getting better. It just really makes me feel hopeful. So thank you for taking the time to do this. and, And I hope people listening feel as energized as I do. Thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate the opportunity. And shameless plug, we'll be back out in Las Vegas in April, the 27th through the 29th for the Experiential Marketing Summit. We're turning 20 this year, so we'll see you at the MGM Grand. Yeah, definitely (laughs) check it out. There's a lot to be gained from it. So if you haven't been or if you have been, come back. It's a very good thing to do. All right. Thank you again, Jessica. Thanks, Jeremy. Well, that was so great getting to talk with Jessica about the future of this industry. For me, there were four top takeaways, and these are the four tops. Number four, everyone is competing with each other, but there's a sense that if one of us does well, it elevates the industry as a whole. Number three, make sure you're using this rare opportunity to pause, reflect, and rethink. Number two, the live events industry will come out of the pandemic stronger just as it did after the recession. And number one, The virtual experience is not the same as the live one, and you need to treat them differently. But look, I could talk about this stuff all day. And if you want to talk to us about today's topic or anything about live events, check out our episode notes for more information, or just go to proscenium.com and drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Because at Proscenium, we help presenters do their best in front of their most important audiences. As we like to say, we help brands perform. And I have a sneaking suspicion we can help your brand perform. Now, if you like the Procast, you can sign up for it at proscenium.com or get it anywhere you get your other podcasts. Today's episode was hosted by me, Jeremy Dobrish. It was produced by Bethany Potter. Original music by maestro Mike Mancini and filled with creative geniusness by Henry Evans. And hey, you know how at the end of podcasts, they ask you to go to Apple Podcasts and leave a good rating? Well, of course, we'd love you to do that so more people hear about the show and so we can hear your thoughts. But look, if you learned a few tips and you want to keep this one just between us, that's cool too. So until next time, stand by to fade the Procast out. And Procast out, let's go. Let's go.